How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jancy. Tim, how are you, sir? Uh, doing pretty good, all things considered. Now, are you referring to the New England Patriots-Jacksonville Jaguars game the other day? I was busy all yesterday morning, so I didn't get to catch the, the game. I heard, like, Jacksonville's winning until they kind of screwed it up in the fourth quarter yeah they had two penalties against them which helped new england score a touchdown and then they got back into it brutal yeah outside of that bud how's your week been going oh pretty good uh just prepping to go to toronto mostly yeah i was gonna ask you i wasn't sure if it was last week or this week you're heading off to toronto yeah we fly over tomorrow oh right on man yeah but that's more for chelsea than i Oh, well, for sure. Mm -hmm. So, Tim, let me tell you about my week, because this has been a really interesting week for me, bud. What happened? So, on Thursday morning, I got a, I got a call on my phone, and I looked at the number. It was an Ottawa number. And I'm looking at it going, oh, what the... F who the fuck's calling me from Ottawa? So, I didn't answer it, put it down, whatever. I had to go to the gym that morning, so I went to the gym... Got out, looked at my phone, I saw there's a voicemail on there. I'm thinking, okay, well, let's have a look here. And I answer it, and he goes... And apparently the the gentleman that called me was by the name of Damien Ford, who works for the Ottawa 67s. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he called me to thank me for coming out to the outdoor game that they did last month, and was wondering if I was going to come to any more. Yeah, the answer is if the Sens are, yeah. Yeah, take notes there, Eugene. But no, it was cool. He, he also sent me an email, and I'm thinking, it just said, uh, Hi, Taylor, my name's Damian Ford from the Auto 67s. I left you a voicemail, but I'll shoot you an email too. And I go, so I sent an email back to him. I'm thinking, you know, yeah, that's super cool that you shot me an email. I really appreciate that. Um, unfortunately, I am back home on Vancouver Island. I won't be able to go to any games. But if they ever make the Memorial Cup and Victoria hosts it, I'll definitely have to check out some games. Mm-hmm. And oh, not only that, cool. Tim. I was in the gym, working by some tries, you know, getting all jacked up. So I was listening to the Steve Austin podcast with a bodybuilder by the name of C.T. Fletcher. I'm not sure if you're familiar who this gentleman is at all. Nope. Okay. So C.T. Fletcher is a pretty well-known bodybuilder, and he refers to himself as the Compton Superman. Uh-huh. And so he and Steve Austin did an interview, and Steve put it out on his podcast. So I tweeted out that this is the best way to do tries and buys is listen to the Steve Austin podcast, and I tagged both a minute. Uh-huh. They both retweeted and favored it. Nice. Think about that. The Texas Rattlesnake. He retweeted one of my tweets. Me. Oh, that's cool. Oh, I feel a little bit important, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know what also makes me feel important, Tim? What? Segwaying into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. So once again, we've got a death to start off here on Top of the Hour. Longtime Montreal Canadiens beat writer Red Fisher passed away at age 91. Fisher began his hockey reporting career with the Montreal Star on March 17th, 1955, the night of the Richard riot. Fisher worked for the paper Whoa. until its demise until in 1979 and immediately joined the Montreal Gazette. He had a hell of a career, too, and uh, I remember sev reading several players' accounts uh, throughout his career, and even after his death, where they're saying, uh, yeah, the only way you could get run out of town is if this guy didn't like you. That's true, and he apparently had a really, he had a real no-nonsense approach to how he wrote his articles. And when he was writing for the Canadians, if a player just 
spout it off their, you know, their usual catchphrases of, well, you know, we played really hard and all that bullshit. He would just walk out. <laughs> and, he, and apparently, from what I read on him, he was just sort of a dick to rookies, too. Oh, that's no good. No. no he, he just wanted no part of them. So let's head on to our next story, Tim, because yeah. believe me, hockey Twitter was just, whoo, they got butthurt about this one. The NHL announced that Kid Rock will be the musical guest for the 2018 NHL All-Star Game in Tampa Bay. Like I said, hockey Twitter was overwhelmingly negative to the announcement. Now look, Tim, you've known me since we were about 13, 14, and you know that I've always been into music. I have no real opinion or a real reaction to this because I just don't care. It's like, oh, okay, Kid Rock. I mean, he's not the most, I don't know. I guess they could have got somebody who is more out of date than him, like Limp Biscuit, but yeah, uh, okay. I honestly was living in a world where I forgot Kid Rock existed. I know. Well, apparently the NHL really wanted a cowboy to sing this. Yeah, like, I don't know. It's just like, I guess you can tell that the NHL's pretty much given up on the All-Star game. I know. Well, I, well, I mean, they pretty much just got a rebel without a cause. Yeah. Okay, I'll stop with the puns. But it's just like, has Ked Rock even been relevant in the last ten years? Yeah. Yeah, he had that... All Summer Long Song that ripped off Leonard Skinner's home, Sweet Home Alabama. Isn't that like like 12 years old, though? No, I think that came out in like 2007, 2008. Okay, so that's like 10 years old then. Yeah. Actually, speaking about music, Jeez. Uh, Hometown Hockey was here in Duncan this past weekend, and I go to the gym where the parking lot was that they were doing it, and 5440 was there. So I was just walking to my car, and I heard them play, and I'm thinking... Oh, wow. Yeah, they're good. And I kept walking. I didn't really care to stand and watch them. Yeah, I forgot the hometown hockey was... They mentioned that during uh, one of the games we were going to cover this week, that they were in uh, Cowichan and Quarterbrook, which is about as far across the country as you can get east-west-wise from each other. Well, I mean, if you were in Lake Cowichan, maybe, but... But, I mean, that's just splitting hairs. Let's go on to our next story. The Boston Bruins, they honored former player Willie O'Reger in their game versus the Montreal Canadiens on January 17th. And the city of Boston has declared January 17th Willie O'Reger. O'Reger made history on January 17th, 1958, when he became the first African-American person to play in the NHL. Now, this is kind of... That's kind of cool. It is, but this is kind of crazy if you've ever read some of the stuff about Boston. Boston has been, has this real reputation of being a really racist city. And I know, I'm trying to remember the guy, he played for the Boston Celtics. I think it was Bill Russell. Bill Russell said that he absolutely wanted nothing to do with Boston after his career was done. And if the Celtics wanted to retire his number, he wanted it to do it in an empty stadium. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't really know much about Boston as a whole, and it, like, well, I guess Boston was the forefront of a lot of Irish immigration back in the 1850s to 1900s, so I could see, uh, like, Boston even going into the 50s being a very anti-immigrant city. Yeah, but when the, when the schools got, when they stopped being segregated in the 70s, oh, the city of Boston, they were not happy about that. Which is odd, because Boston's a northern city. Yeah, but you know what, though, Tim, is that... And I know I read... I saw an interview with somebody, I can't remember who it was, and they are saying that, look, there's racists everywhere. There's racists in the northeast, in the south, southern California. You can look all over. There's racists everywhere. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, uh, segregation wasn't really enforced north of the Mason-Dixie line, with the exception of Baltimore. No, but, I mean, overall, I mean, segregation happened everywhere, though. And I yeah, think it like, was up until 1964, or as Chris Rock would say, whatever, whenever your city decided to smarten up. Yeah. But I guess the thing is, it's 
there's the difference between efficient, like overt and subvert segregation, which uh, the latter being more insidious, and that was the way the North went about it. Right. Yeah, and that's probably where a lot of the racist attitudes in Boston came from because there was like, like habits of redlining where uh, they would basically neighborhoods that are invested in weren't basically were not heavily immigrant or he- heavily colored, so it kind of just enforced certain patterns of it. Ba- yeah, enforced certain habits of uh, habitation that have led to not very mixed neighborhoods. Let's call it that. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, so it's like, it wasn't official segregation like you had in the South, which honestly was easier to deal with. Because if it's overt, you could say, this overt thing you were doing is bad, stop it. When it's not official and not really being talked about, it's a lot harder to weed out. Yeah, because a lot of that racism that we were always taught was always in, like, in the South, like you were talking about. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's because it was very, it was plain as day. Because oh, he sure. had signs that said white people only, black people only. And now with the Donald Trump presidency, though, that might be coming back. But that's a different story. <laughs> Let's go on to our next story. We're sticking with the Boston Bruins. They also announced that longtime national anthem singer Renee Rancourt will retire at the end of the season. Rancourt began singing the national anthem for the Boston Bruins in the 1975-1976 season. Oh, that's a long time to be singing anthems. It's true. I mean, I'm thinking of Lyndon Slewage when he used to do it in Ottawa, but obviously he didn't do it for that long. I still miss Lyndon. Me too. They they really should bring him back, but I think that would end up costing Eugene money. Oh, I know, and by the good graces, we can't have him cost money. Yeah, goddamn. They should have had him at the outdoor game. Oh, they could have made him play net like Millhouse. Sorry. <laughs> defense, defense, Eugene. you call that blowing. <laughs> ah, you knocked out my teeth. That's right, Millhouse. Keep up the chatter. <laughs> Such a good episode. Oh, I know. It's so awesome. All right, All next right. story. Philadelphia Flyers. They retired Eric Lindros' number 88 during their game versus the Toronto Maple Leafs. Lindros was drafted first overall by the Quebec Nordiques in 1991, despite telling Quebec he would never play for them. After sitting out the entire 91-92 season, Lindros was traded to Philadelphia. Now, be ready for a blast from the past, Tim. For Ron Hextall, Mike Duchesne, Steve Duchesne, sorry, Mike Ricci, Kerry Hoffman, a first-round pick in 1992 and 1993, $15 million, and the rights to Peter Forsberg. Sounds like they got a damn good deal. Yeah. Lindros spent eight seasons with the Flyers, scoring 290 goals, 369 assists for 659 points. Yeah. Well, it's a hell of a career, although uh, it's funny that we bring up Lindros and uh, we talk about concussions all the time on this show because uh, that was another career that was just mired by head trauma. Yeah, he was the poster boy for that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was reading it. I've been reading through Sean Avery's book, and uh, apparently one of the two ways he used to really get to Eric Lindros was he'd shit talk about his vision due to concussion syndrome, or he'd make fun of his mom. I did see that. I was just like, wow. How did Lindros never just kill Avery right there? Apparently he tried to on a few occasions. Because Lindros also had that uh, notorious temper. Yes, he did. And Brenda Moore. Yeah, that's, that is true. I'm not even going to lie with you. <laughs> you know, isn't it funny, though, when you read about Eric Lindros and the Flyers retiring his number 88, because, like, if I was to tell you this a decade ago, the Philadelphia Flyers would retire his number, would you have believed me? No. No. That's like if the, the Ottawa Senators got back with Alexi Ashen. We would have never seen that happening, but you know what? A whole new generation of fans have grown up without these guys playing for that team. So it's like, so they don't have there's this image of all the turmoil and everything that went on before they left. All they have is the good memories of those players. Mm-hmm. 
Like, even at the alumni game last month, Yashin got a big cheer from the fans. And I never thought that was going to ever happen. Well, none of us thought he'd even be invited, let alone show up. Well, I mean, you know what? I guess the whole Danny Heatley thing really helped him a lot in that. Well, I, I don't think Yashin ever had as much as much on his hands as Danny Heatley did. No, and you know what? We talked about it here on the show, right? We said that we do understand Yashin's point of view where he was screwed by the Sens, where mm-hmm. Heatley got paid, and he still left town. Yeah, and then the weird thing about Heatley is, like, he's... Up until that point, he had been given everyone's good graces. Heck, even Dan Snyder's family came out and apologized to him. Like, sorry, forgave him right immediately after that funeral. So, like, this is a guy whose life, he wasn't really hard done by by any organization or really by life. No, not at all. And it's funny you brought up Sean Avery because he does talk about Dan Snyder in this book. Yeah. And it's interesting. That book is... There's a lot of interesting stuff in that book. And Sean Avery, he admits that he's an asshole, but he doesn't really come across as that as big of a, a jerk as he played himself up to be. That is true. I gotta ask, how far into the book have you gotten? About halfway. Halfway. Okay, have you gotten to the point where he's teammates with Colt Moore? Not yet, but that sounds amazing. Okay, so I won't spoil that story, because that is actually one of my favorite stories in the book. How do I really like the what about him in the strip in the Vegas strip club? Yeah, that was good. What about the one with him and Paris Hilton? Oh, I haven't gotten to Paris Hilton yet. I've oh, just got I him can't dating, believe you! Uh, Rachel. Oh, you can't. That's a good story too. Oh, or just like uh, what he <laughs> and he's just met Jeremy Taggart. Yes, you know what's funny, and I think I'd mention this here on the show. I asked Jeremy Taggart about that too. I said if you got a chance to read Sean Avery's book. I don't, it doesn't seem like he'll say anything bad about Jeremy Taggart. No. Like, other than that one buddy of his who turned out to be a pedophile, he hasn't really said too much about anyone, like, anything too bad about anyone. Who, Except Avery for or Taggart's Kendall. Uh, Avery hasn't said anything too bad about anyone. Yeah, that is true. He never did throw anybody under the bus, did he? No, there was a fuck you Ken Holland, though. Oh, what he says about John Tortorella is good, too, near the end of the book. Well, I guess he also made his first coach at L.A. seem like just the weirdest fucking dude. Oh, but then um, again. Yeah, what the fuck's his name? Al. Ah, fuck. Like Dave Murray or something. Something like that. And, but to be fair, dude was weird. Yes, he was. Like, he described it as a fucking math teacher. I know. Why do we get a sense we should do an episode on Sean Avery's book now? I don't know. I think I think that would be really cool because there's just so much in that book. It's kind of amazing. Should I put it on the list? Yeah, put it on the list. Okay, hold on a sec. Weren't we supposed to be talking about Eric Lindros? I, I think we pretty much said everything we needed to say about Eric Lindros, Tim. Yeah, so we started talking about Sean Avery being a dick. <laughs> well look Tim any podcast that has Sean Avery is a good one yeah pretty much alright let's head on to our next story Tim now news came out this week that somebody within the Oakview group the company who is renovating Key Arena in an attempt to get an NHL team in Seattle registered 13 potential names for an NHL team in Seattle now I am a bod I went out and I found these names for you, and I'm gonna, t- and we're gonna, I'm gonna give your opinion on them, okay, bud? Okay. Okay. First one, the Rainiers. Sounds too close to the Rangers. Actually, yeah, that's a good point. I I personally like the Rainiers just because it's like the Mariners, but you know the Mariners are actually shit. So next yeah. name, the Kraken. Oh, that's cool. Like, that really works for Seattle. Yeah, that that's a kind of a different name for a team. I don't know if it would work. It's a good rum, but yeah, other I guess, than that. I guess Seattle doesn't really have any monster lore to it, though. 
but definitely works with the sea themes. It does. Third name on the list, the Evergreens. Yeah, that also works. Like, especially with the area around Seattle being perfect green and not all that cold. Yeah, it's uh, emerald green. Yeah. Number four, the Seals. I'm just going to scratch this off the list because we already had an NHL franchise named that. Yeah. Name. Name. Speaking of the Emeralds, the Emeralds. I can see them going for that. Yeah, I could too. How about this one, Tim? The Sea Lions. Seems a bit too close to the Seahawks, honestly. Yeah, that's exactly what I said, too. I was just like, no, that's just too close. And it's also not that different from the Seals. It's like, all these are just too close to something else. Yeah, but when Seattle doesn't really have a ton of pro teams that you could go after, so you are going to have teams that team names that sound similar. Yeah, I guess. All right, now this is a weird one. The Sockeyes. Uh-huh. The Sonics? Sockeyes. Oh, Sockeyes. I heard Sonics. Like, hey, we've had that before. <laughs> what? It can come back? Yeah, especially to Key Arena. It works, doesn't it? Yeah. So what do you think? The Sockeyes? Eh? Eh. I mean, it works well because Seattle has a real fishing. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. How about this one? The Whales. For me, it's too close to the Whalers. Yeah. 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 How about this one, Tim? The Eagles. Uh Uh-huh. Eh. Yeah, I don't really I mean, see Seattle and the Eagle connection. Well, Washington State has some bald eagles. I guess, but you don't really connect Washington State and Eagles. No, when I think of and Eagles, I, I think of the Philadelphia Eagles. Who, yeah, by the I'm way, not even sure they'd be... made the fucking Super Bowl. Yeah, holy fuck. <sighs> oh, my buddy had a few hundred dollars riding on the vikings too oh they just got shit stomped buddy yeah i saw that i haven't texted him about it yeah probably don't yeah no kidding now tim any now tim seattle has had an nhl franchise in the past how about this one the totems the original seattle nhl franchise totems yeah i guess that works now can i just can i throw one in here for you how about the Thunderbirds? Isn't that their AH? Sorry, their uh, WHL, WHL franchise? They could. But I mean, they could probably buy it off them. I think the Thunderbirds would be a great NHL name. Mm hmm. Or I All guess. Right. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of. I guess it's hard because there's so many already used sports team names. That is true. That is true. All right, so we're down to the final three. The Cougars. Tee The Firebirds. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that is kind of cool. And last but not least, the Renegades. I think the Renegades is the choice when you really don't have a name for your, like an identity for your city. Renegades really sounds like a bandwagon team name. Oh, for sure. Like, we don't follow anyone's rules except our own. Please buy our merchandise. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Hmm. Trying to think of what a... You'd have to be able to build something out of the fact that there's a bunch of tech work in uh, Seattle. The Seattle Gates? Seattle Gates, uh... Hmm. I guess there isn't anything really cool about the Seattle tech... Xboxes. Seattle boxes. <laughs> Xboxes. Yeah, mm. I guess all the computer words are kind of boring. Yeah, it wouldn't work for a sports team. Yeah, I don't think you'd want the Seattle Ram cards. <laughs> no. No, not at all. 
Well, Tim, I guess that wraps up top of the hour, which means we got oh, to head into the game. Oh, what the Seattle Hex? The which? The Seattle Hex. The Seattle Hex. Yeah. Like after hexadecimal numbers, which he used for modifying cartridges and shit. You know what, Tim? Get a hold of the old view group and maybe suggest that to him. Yeah. That one sounds cool. Absolutely. So let's go into the games, Tim. We got two games to talk about. The Blues versus the Senators and the round three of the Battle of Ontario. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. You know what? After that bye week, I wasn't aware Ottawa played any games. Well, apparently we did, Tim. Blues versus Senators. This was a 4-1 Blues victory. Senators goals were scored by Bobby Ryan. Blues goals were scored by Vladimir Tarasenko, Alex Pietrangelo, Braden Shen, and Alexander Steen. Shots were 37-21 for the Blues. St. Louis dominated the Senators in this game with their strong defensive play and fast plays offensive attack. Ottawa looked awful in this game, coughing up the puck a number of times throughout this game and having nothing to show for it. Outside of Craig Anderson, really nobody on the Senators looked good in this game. This game was pretty chippy by both teams, which included a really good scrap by Chris Thornbert and a returning Mark Borbieski. I know you say no one really looked good in that game, but I think Boro had a great first game back. Actually, you know what? Yeah, I take that back. Boro did have a decent game. I, yeah. I did think he looked good, and... To me, that was something the Ottawa Senators have just sort of missed, is a guy like Mark Borbieski. Yeah, it's like it was just great to watch him back, and he looked like him and Mark Stone looked like they're the only ones who gave a damn on the ice. Yeah, now correct me if I'm wrong, did the Ottawa Senators bench Mark Stone for tonight's game? Uh, he isn't. He's too injured to play. Oh, okay. Although, on the, on the flip side, no Johnny Oduya! I don't know, I feel a little sad about that, though, because, like... No, you don't. I mean, I looked into it. Johnny Oduya is easily our third best forward. No, Tim, you don't feel bad about it. Well, I guess I mean I feel bad about the state of the Senators. You feel bad for the Sens, but you don't feel bad for Johnny Oduya. I guess, but, like... Yeah, like, the dude's being played above where he should because Ottawa just doesn't have any options. God, I and, thought. Like, would you rather more Cody Cece? No. Or well, actually, that's true, because Cody Cece has had decent games, though, but he hasn't shown it enough for me to put a lot of faith into him. No, he's been pretty bad. Speaking of like, things I don't have a lot of faith in, Tim, yeah. the Ottawa Senators in second periods. Oh, jeez. We're a minus 31 goal difference. You know what else I don't really have a lot of faith in? Guy Boucher putting the right number of people on the ice. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. Honestly, because... I think he's just looking for a reason to get fired now. Like, he, I think he's just given up. Yeah, and the team's definitely given up on him. Yeah, well, you know what, Tim? We do have something we do got to discuss later on in the episode. But we will get to that in due time. Yeah, but what's really funny is he managed to both have too many and too few players on the ice during a game. How is that even possible, Tim? So he took a too many men penalty going into the last few minutes. Then he pulled the goal. He pulled the goalie with two minutes left, but instead of putting on a six skater, he somehow only had four, and that led directly to uh, Columbus, sorry, St. Louis's fourth goal. Like, how do you pull your goalie and then only end up with four skaters on the ice? I don't know. And I remember when Patrick Waugh was the head coach in Colorado. He would pull the goalie uh -huh. with, like, five to ten minutes left in the game. Lord knows why, but at least he knew how to put the right amount of players on the ice. I can understand. It. Like, from a hyper-aggressive, we-got-a-score perspective, I actually, I get that. Like, if you know that you've got the team on their, like, on their back heels, yeah, just hammer them with six guys. I get that. Just make sure you get the guys on the ice. Oh, absolutely. Can we briefly talk about the Vladimir Tarasenko goal? Because, I'm not going to lie, that was a nice move he made. Oh, that was beautiful. That was like an EA NHL 17 move that he did there. Well, 
especially with the brutal, like the brutal, brutal defensive coverage too. Yeah, brutal isn't even a strong enough word for that, Tim. That was just awful. Yeah. And you know what's funny is, uh, going back into brutal player management is, uh, during the second intermission, the TSN panel went to town on Ottawa's second period. And uh, they were like, yeah. It's a mix of bad hockey IQ and just lazy changes. I know, leaving her butt out, um, messaged me, and he's just like, what the hell is up with the Senators in the second period? And I'm just like, I, I don't know. And I think I was just like, I think it's just bad hockey IQ. And these guys are pro athletes, man. They shouldn't have bad hockey IQ. Yeah, and I think that a lot of that is just bad scouting, bad deals. And that they've kind of given up, so they just aren't thinking anymore. Well, most of the team hasn't, but I know there's a few guys on the ice who still are thinking, though, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll be interested to see where things go. For sure. Now, do you have any more notes on this game, or should we go into the next game? Boro got bit. In this game? Yeah. Who bit him? Uh, Thorburn. Well, he, I mean, he does look like a caveman, to be honest with you. Maybe he's just like... Me hungry. Me bite, Burrow. Me bite. Yeah, who knows? But Maybe Thorburn took a lesson from Burrows, man. Yeah, bite back. Exactly. But Jesus Christ. What a shit show. Well, believe me, Tim, it didn't get any better from there. Oh. But before we do that, Tim, I gotta ask you a favor. Tim, if you want to see me going to the next game, give me a hell yeah. Hell yeah. That game. Oh, fuck this game. Jesus Christ. Alright. Leafs versus Senators. This was a 4-3 Leafs victory. Senators goals were scored by Eric Carlson, Mike Hoffman, and Tom Pyatt. Leafs goals were scored by Zach Hyman. Some... Guy by the name of Austin, I don't know who the fuck he is. Mitch Marner and Connor Carrick. Shots were 33-18 for the Maple Leafs. A fast-paced, tight-checking game overall. The Leafs outplayed the Senators in this game up until Austin Matthews took a high-sticking penalty in the second period and the tables returned in Ottawa's favor, where the Senators took a 3-1 lead by the end of the second. And then it went all downhill from there. Matthew scored yeah. to make it 3-2. Marner tied at 3. Connor Carrick scored from the point he gave Toronto for fuck. And you know what, Tim? This isn't even the worst part of this fucking game. You know what? I made a bet with a coworker of mine who's a Leafs fan, and we bet beer on this game. We bet a 15-pack. Now, I picked a very obvious choice. I picked the, the fine folks at Alexander Keith's. Nice. My bidding picked Molson. Who the fuck drinks the Molson? Fuck? Jesus Christ, you're better off chewing on a urinal cake than drinking that shit. Jesus. And I told him that, too. And he's just like, well, what? I drink it because it's cheap. And I go, drink some decent beer, you fucker. Fuck yeah, your fucking time. It's not like there isn't decent, inexpensive beer out there. Like, at least get Steam Whistle or something. Yeah. And, and you know, he's on the West Coast now. Drink Lucky if you have to. Ugh. Okay, fine, okay. Caribou. Well, actually, you know, in all fairness, there caribou we... isn't any better. Caribou's just water. Caribou is just water, and you know when you get a nosebleed and you kind of taste it, and it has, like, that irony taste to it? Yeah, it's like they dipped a singular hop into it. Pretty much. It's like that iron taste with water. That's all it tastes like. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, yeah, Tim, we can go on and talk about beer, but unfortunately, we got to continue talking about this game. One thing you can notice about both teams is they were missing the, they were missing kind of the drive from their main defenseman because Carlson was definitely not Carlson, no, with the he exception was not. of that beautiful goal in the second period. Like Carlson just wasn't skating with the puck and looked slow. He was playing six, so that's I guess the official excuse and. The Leafs were without, were without Morgan Riley, and that defense looked fucking terrible without Morgan Riley. Well, I mean, it doesn't look any better with Morgan Riley, but you know that's just 
that's not here, there, or anywhere, really, Tim. Yeah. One thing I did notice is me and my buddy were talking during the game, and uh, he's also a Leafs. He's a Leafs fan. We came to the realization that shots on goal is a retarded statistic. Did you decide to bring up Corsi to him that, right then and there? Be like, well, let me tell you about the Corsi no, no, and like, the shots per well, 60 and all that good stuff. Well, basically, the thing is, is like, well, both both him and I have a master's in economics, so he's already into the Corsi. Okay. But it's the big issue with shots on goal is, suppose you shoot from the same spot. Shot A hits the goalie, shot B hits the crossbar. One's a shot on goal, one isn't. That's kind of dumb. That is. And that makes the analysis kind of rough. And I guess that's and that's definitely where Corsi Fenwick are improvements on shots on goal. Because they get rid of that obviously dumb situation. But fuck. Enough about stats. One thing that I gotta mention on for me watching this game, and this is something I noticed over the past two games of the Sens have played, Craig Anderson has looked pretty good. And I know yeah. in the past he hasn't looked his best, but you know what? I thought he looked really good against St. Louis, and I thought he looked pretty decently against Toronto, all things considered. Oh, for sure. Really unfortunate. Like, he just didn't get any deep support from the rest of the team. Like, I, I don't think you can really blame Anderson on a lot of those goals. No, I absolutely don't. The big one, though, is goddamn Guy Boucher and some of his uh, line combinations are just weird like in my notes i have borrow for enough d-line seems like a really bad idea was it in this game that shabbat was with borvieski yes or was it, okay honestly that i didn't seems... really notice shabbat out there to be perfectly honest with you no but that's better than being noticed for the wrong reasons that's true but then again i didn't notice philip shalopik either until he I also had to serve an extra two for the Andreas Borgman late hit on Zach Smith when Ryan Dezingle jumped in to help. Oh, Zach, Ryan Dezingle dummied that guy, too. I know. Did you see that girly little swing he took at him? And he hit him with his wrist? Yeah, just like, if you really want to fight, like, don't throw around. Don't throw around your weight like a big boy if you can't even defend yourself. You know what's funny, and you're going to laugh when I mention this? Do you remember when uh-huh. Alexander Salmon got into a fight when he was with the Capitals? Oh, Jesus. And he's just like, yeah, and, he, and like he two-fisted him. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking, watching his single throw punch at Borgman. I was like, oh, fuck. I mean, he doesn't put Salmon to shame, but Jesus Christ. Yeah, I guess the other thing I noticed in that was... Uh... Like, uh, I'm surprised that Borgman guy didn't get ejected for that hit. Because, like, that's the sort of hit the NHL's trying to get rid of. Like, those north-south pl- player hits a guy going east-west, principal contact points the head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm surprised that didn't get Borgman, too, in a game. Yeah, I was really surprised, too. Look, I understand maybe, like, 15, 20 years ago, that hit would have been more acceptable. But in 2018, those hits shouldn't be accepted in the NHL. And I was glad to see Ryan Dezingle, who, let's be honest, really shouldn't be in a fight at all. But the fact that he stood up for Zach Smith, I gotta give him a round of... Yeah, I gotta give him one of these, buddy. Well, the thing about Ryan Dezingle is, he's got a temper. And, like, he's not a bad fighter, which is kind of surprising. Apparently he's a better fighter than fucking Borvieski is. Yeah. Because every fight I've ever seen Borvieski in, the other guy drop doesn't drop him, but he ends up on top of him. Yeah, and Borvieski just eats a bunch of punches. It's kind of weird. Yeah. But, uh... Do you ever th- I just gotta say, do you ever think Borvieski's head kind of looks like a potato? Kinda. Yeah, it's just a really weird-looking head. He looks like a deformed Mr. Potato Head. Yeah. Did Borvieski ever have all his teeth? Uh, I don't think so, Tim. No. Maybe he was just born that way, like Lady Gaga. <laughs> Maybe she's born with it. Yeah, there you go, buddy. Yeah. He's well, all about just that like, applause. Yeah, I, I know I was sitting there watching that game, though, going back to Borgman, not getting a 2 out of 10, and the refs were just fucking garbage. 
Oh, I know. Like, Christ, the sure. only thing more that was garbage was all the Leaf fans in the building. Yeah, and it's it's one thing to be there cheering for the opposing team. It's another thing to intentionally drown out the home team's chance whenever you get a chance. But the thing is, though, like, and I understand the Leafs fans, man. When you're outnumbering the Senators fans in Ottawa's building, well, first of all, that's just wrong. You shouldn't, they, honestly, the Senator fans should outnumber the Leaf fans in your own building. <sighs> I hate when the Leafs play us at our home. Yeah, poor Dion for the... I don't get why they boo Dion, though. They still don't like Dion in Toronto. Well, I mean, it's not like Well, I mean, it's not like Dion Phaneuf was a like a particularly bad captain. He was always out in the community, and that like he was always at signings and that sort of stuff. So it's not like he was like the sort of person who would get. I don't know. It's weird. People people in Montreal boo PK Subban for something. But then reason. again, think about it, right? I mean, FNUF was the captain of the Leafs during their darkest time since the 1980s. I guess it's he got signed to a contract that he couldn't fulfill. That's true. Well, Tim, I don't and have I'm... any more notes on this game. Should we close it out? Wait, I've got one funny note. Okay, what's up? Uh, because hometown hockey was in uh, Quarterbrook, Newfoundland that night, they decided to talk. They decided to start talking about Newfoundland hockey heroes. Oh, okay. Including ho- Newfoundland's hockey hero, homegrown Colin Greening. Well, shit, son, Colin Greening. Oh, what a fucking stud that guy is. Yeah. Look at that one goal he scored in overtime. Oh, fucking guy. Oh, he's totally worth the four million bucks that we totally wasted on him. <laughs> and of course I'm being sarcastic when I'm saying this Tim but... yeah I don't know I'm sure he was a great guy well I mean he's he's at least better than some of the hometown grown talent that Duncan's produced hey Doug Bodger is cool well I mean I was referring more to Greg Adams or Matt Ellison yeah but Doug, Bo- Doug Bodger actually had a very respectable career he did. Well, I mean, you know what? Think about it, right? If you ever looked at his stats, he had pretty decent stats. And I think he was a top 10 pick with the Penguins in 1984. Yeah, yeah and didn't he play on the... Pe- I don't... I'm not sure if he was on their one of their Stanley Cup teams either. No, he was with... I think he was already with Buffalo with that, by that point. But Buffalo wasn't a bad team at that point either. No, they were an okay team. Actually, it's funny. When I was growing up, I had a a game program cover that Bodger was on when he was with the Sharks, and he had signed it. Nice. Yeah, I don't think I have that anymore, though. I don't know whatever happened to that. Yeah, I heard that uh, Doug Bodger, uh, like, I'm not sure if he still does that, but he sometimes just go to random scrimmage, like uh, random uh, Duncan Minor Hockey practices and go join the kids. All right, on. Yeah, I know. I don't think Bodger has the time anymore, seeing that he's with the Victoria Royals now. Really? Yeah, I think he's like one of their assistant coaches, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I don't know. I've always heard Doug Bodger was a like a good like he was a guy who was always trying to make hockey more fun for everyone in the community. Yeah, well, I know my dad grew up with him and his brother in Shimanas, and it was funny. Like my dad was saying, he was never a guy that you would ever imagine would be this great hockey player because he was just so unassuming and nice enough guy and everything. Yeah, it's kind of weird because, like, I think the only guy I know about a cow high who got drafted was a very, everyone kind of knew he was good at hockey. But then, uh, yeah, Alex, Alex didn't make it very far. No, he did not. No, actually, I think his father-in-law works with my mom, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Alex Terrios? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'm not sure if he's m- married to his girlfriend. I'm not sure. I know they have a kid together, but I don't think they're married. Yeah, I haven't kept up with that guy in forever. No. Uh, one thing I got to mention about Bodger, though, his daughter's a personal trainer. Nice. <laughs> Holy fuck, boy, I'll tell you. <laughs> Let me tell you, I never in my life was on a treadmill and I, and I face-planted into the front of it. Damn. Yeah. Anyway, that's right. enough about me, Tim. <laughs> I think we've uh, gone sufficiently sufficiently away from uh, the game. 
the said's terrible weekend to pretend it never happened. Yeah, yeah absolutely, man. Well, I mean, this coming week, we've got three games to talk about. Uh, one thing I didn't mention that I wanted to talk about this. Uh, are you familiar with a YouTuber by the name of Urinating Tree? Uh, it's a name that sounds like I don't want to be familiar with, but uh, I've seen one of their videos. Yeah, so this past week, Urinating Tree released a video on the Ottawa Senators. I, look, I knew this day would come. I, I knew it. I just knew one day Urinating Tree was going to do a video on our team. So what are his videos usually about? Uh, they're usually about uh, sports teams that are either what he calls locales, or locales, I should say. Oh, uh, lolcals? Yeah, he does those kind of videos. He does ones on the uh, Legacy of Failures, like he did one on the Washington Capitals. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm still waiting on the one for the San Jose Sharks. I want him to do one on that team. Yeah, although I don't, I'm not sure if the Sharks qualify in the same way that the Capitals do. Because at least the Sharks got close. Well, so did the Cat. Well, actually, that's not true. The Capitals got the capital. The Capitals get knocked out of the second round every year. Yeah, but the one year that they... Well, how is that any different from the Sharks? The Sharks get knocked out in like the second round every year. They went to the finals in 2015. Yeah, the Capitals went to the finals in 98. What's your fucking point, Tim? Yeah, one's recent. And then uh, they went... And then they went to the... They got knocked off by... Vancouver in the conference finals so it's not like they can't make it past the second round anyways let's go back to what we were saying about urinating tree so he does go through our struggles of the season and he does rip Eugene Melnick apart and Guy Boucher and Pierre Dorian basically he did what we've been doing for the past I don't know three four months now here on the show I it's nice that just how like, I like how it's, like, that combined with uh, Belnick's outburst at the outdoor game has started to get national attention of just how bad the situation is in Ottawa. And it's not bad Ottawa fans. It's Ottawa fans have to deal with this shit day in and day out. Yeah, and he mentioned that in the video, too. But the one thing I'd like to, that I would like to bring up is that I DM'd your name tree after that video came out, and... The one thing he didn't mention, as everybody never mentions it when they talk about the Ottawa Senators and last year's playoff run, was the Phoenix Pace system. And I mentioned that. I go, look, the majority of people in Ottawa, like we've said, work for the government. They don't have the disposable income because of the Pace system to go see these games. And he actually, uh, I think he got back to me today. And he's just like, you know, everybody in the comments mentioned that too, that the Pace system was screwed up. Yeah, and it's still screwed up. I know. Fucking here we thought Guy Boucher's 131 system was the only thing that was flawed. Yeah, and I guess I really hope more outside pressure comes down onto Guy Boucher. Sorry, not Guy Boucher, uh, Eugene Melnick. Because, like, he cannot sustainably, sustainably keep this team. No, no, he cannot. Like, after all of his main industries went down the tubes. He doesn't have the cash flow to support the team, and teams usually, unless they're very successful, usually need more money in than out. Yeah, or on the flip side, you can be very successful on the ice and still have money problems. Look at the Edmonton (laughs) Oilers in the late 80s, right, where Peter Pockington had all of his financial problems. Yeah, and then Pocklington in the 90s looked a lot like Eugene Menlik now. I honestly would be surprised if uh, some way that the orders can get together and uh, organize a buyout. Yeah, because you know what? There's potential ownership groups out there. Yep. Although well, although a group featuring Jeff Hunt hasn't been brought up, though. Because, I mean, Jeff Hunt fucking owns every team in Ottawa outside of the Senators. Like, he's the owner of the Red Blacks, he's the owner of the 67s, he's the owner of the Ottawa Fury. Maybe the Ottawa Senators is next for him. Wouldn't be surprised, and uh, Demaray is biting at the champ as well, at chomping at the bit as well. Yeah, and we've mentioned, you know, if that uh, fellow you just brought up decides to become an owner, 
they can bring Daniel Alfredson in and he could become the the face of the ownership group. Mm-hmm. Just like WCW. Although let's not use WCW as an example because that did not end well. Yeah, that's yeah, that's actually a very valid point, Tim. Mm-hmm. Well, Tim, with all that out of the way, is it time to head for the close? I think so. Okay. First of all, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you enjoy it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording them for you. We are on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. You can find us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash thirdlineplugsensecast. Because our bot Dave made the mention, we are on Google Play Music. You can check us out on Twitter. Our show's Twitter handle is at thirdlineplug. Tim is at m901honeybadger. I am greatwhitegipster, G-R-8-W-I-T-E, gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about these games, talk about urinating tree, or you just want to hate on Eugene Melnick, shoot us an email, thirdlineplugsensecast at gmail.com. Now for the games of the week, Tim. We got three games on the schedule. We got the game this evening versus the Minnesota Wild tomorrow night, Tuesday in St. Louis, and Thursday night versus the Boston Bruins in Ottawa. Whoa. That's tough competition. Oh, it is. It's going to be a tough go, bud. Yeah, but I guess the Sens are already out of it, so who? So maybe if they lose a bunch, they'll get into better draft position. Well, I mean, it wouldn't really fucking matter. We don't have a first-round pick. If we are below 10th place, we have the choice of keeping it and deferring the first pick to Colorado to next year. Yeah, actually, that would be a better idea. Yeah, because this year is supposed to be a fairly decent draft, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I haven't heard anything about Can you imagine if we got first picked, Tim? Oh, jeez. Oh, Dalin, that guy's going to be a beauty. Apparently, they're saying he's already better than Eric Carlson. Huh. Hey, you know what would be better? If he played with Eric Carlson. Wow. Oh, I know. Ottawa fans are going to have wet dreams thinking about that if we can get him. Damn. Yeah, although... Yeah, whoever gets that first pick is laughing, though. Oh, for sure. Watch it be something stupid. Like, ninth place wins it. <sighs> Fuck, I know. It'll, it'll probably be like that, too, eh? We have the best odds to do it, and that happens. Yeah, no kid. Anyway, Fuck. guys, until next week, I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this is Tim Jensi. Go Sens, guys. My time here is up. They're going home!